Good morning, church. Today, I have been given the honor of being able to speak to you about the funnest, most exciting, most, most amazing subject ever. That is guilt. I know, wah, wah, it's not that fun at all. Um, you were probably hoping to actually miss this week, but here you are, and now you're going to feel guilty if you, if you turn the, the stream off. But please, you know, before you do that, stay with us. Um, don't sign out. Don't close that window. Uh, I beg you, stick around because we want to discuss what scriptures have to say about the topic. I know God wants to deliver something amazing to you this morning. He wants to bring you some breakthrough this morning. So let's get right into it. When I think of guilt, I immediately think of Beverly Goldberg from The Goldbergs, one of my favorite shows. If you haven't watched it, you need to check it out. She is this typical mother from the 1980s who's so obsessed with her children that she will do, do anything and say anything just, to, just so they, they don't leave her, so she can keep them close. Um, she's once described as a shoulder-padded, crunchy-haired mother warrior. She's what you would call a smother. Um, she'll say anything and do anything to keep her kids with her. Like... Um, something she said is, sorry I annoyed you with my unconditional love and support of everything you do. And this is not about me. It's about you feeling better so that I can feel better. <laughs> That's just her character. She's always laying on those layers of guilt. And parents can be the worst at laying on the guilt trips. Am I right? Like I'm sure some of you out there, you know, you have people in your lives you're thinking of right now. Maybe it's your own parents or someone else close to you. You're like, oh yeah, that person always lays it on thick. And, and with a smother like Beverly Goldberg, her guilt trips are like a roller coaster and everyone's tall enough to ride. So she doesn't let anybody out of her grasp. So let's get more into the topic though. So what exactly is guilt? Well, guilt says, I owe you. If I've wronged you and I know it, I would feel like I owed you. Guilt speaks to us on the inside, just like Beverly did to her children. Uh, guilt comes whenever you do something that is perceived as wrong. Guilt is defined as the fact of having committed a specified or implied offense or crime. It was originally defined as a noun. Did you know that? A noun? But we've magically, and somehow as humans magically tend to twist things, but we've magically turned it into a verb. Beverly Goldberg guilts her children daily. Or have you ever felt guilted into doing something or guilted someone else to do something for you? That's the power of the debt that comes with guilt. Just like that line of credit, school loan, or credit card payment that we struggle to stay ahead of, but we find ourselves drowning in the debt, guilt works the same way. Guilt keeps you on the hook constantly, always wanting more and more and nothing that you do is ever enough. For example, let's consider a man who runs off with another woman and abandons his family. Without realizing it at the time, he has stolen something from every member of his family. From his wife, he stole her first marriage, her financial security, her future, her reputation as a wife. From his children's perspective, he's stolen their father, and all that a father means to a home. He has robbed them of Christmas, traditions, you know, emotional and financial security, uh, dinners with the family, and so on. Um, when all this first transpires, he's not thinking about that stuff. He's thinking about everything he gained. But the first time his little girl comes up to him, pulls on his shirt, and asks him, Daddy, why don't you love Mommy anymore? 
He begins to feel something in his heart. He begins to feel guilt. Dad now owes. A debt-to-debtor relationship has just been officially established there. And when you and I wrong another, we create the same dynamic. Have you ever wronged someone and then like been telling people, oh, I owe them an apology? Why do we feel like we owe them? Because a debt has been created. No one enjoys debt. Like I can't find a single person out there that actually enjoys debt. If you do, there's something, you got something special going on. <laughs> but God has designed, has always designed us and intended us to be free. The free from debt. The hunger for freedom is engraved in our souls. Whether consciously or subconsciously, we are all in the pursuit of happiness. And happiness is freedom. And none of us want to feel guilty. So when we have these debts with one another, we desperately are grabbing at things and because we want to feel good again. So we act. We act on our guilt. We may turn ourselves into liars from stretching the truth to lighten the blow of reality. Or that father that left his family probably tries to make up for his absence by buying his children's happiness. But all he's doing is creating an unappreciative, materialistic child. Things may appear all right in the outside, but deep down, that hurt is still very real. And the only remedy to fix the hurt caused by daddy not being home to tuck Junior in at night is for daddy to go home and tuck Junior in at night. To fix a wrong, you need a right. To fix a lie, you need truth. To fix an absence, you need presence. All of that to say, when we act on guilt, it creates more bad choices. So, what's our solution for guilt? Easy. Confess. Okay, well, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Okay, well, easy maybe isn't the right word. Uh, let, let me explain. I went to a Catholic elementary school and I remember a few times a year, the, the priest that oversaw our school would come in and he'd set up two chairs in the principal's office and we would go in to confess our sins. And we would sit down and we would recite, bless me father for I have sinned, um, I stole money out of my mother's purse, I dropped an F-bomb at recess, and maybe I threw a stink bomb into the French class and the school thought there was a gas leak so we had to evacuate the school. I'll let you figure out which one of those is the truth. <laughs> the priest would say, my sins are forgiven and give me homework, like, like I needed any more homework. He would send me home with four Hail Marys and five Our Fathers and I was good to go. But it wasn't long before I was repeating the same sins I just asked forgiveness for. We get into this cycle of we sin, we feel guilty, we confess, then we sin again. Confession is just a part of the solution. We are actually called to repent of our sins. Jesus says in Luke chapter 5 verse 32, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. To repent means to turn away from, leave behind, separate yourself from what was old and stepping into the new. We get stuck in these sin cycles because we don't want to repent. We just want to stop feeling bad. Jesus isn't looking for guilt relief though. He's looking for repentance. Now I know what you're thinking. Frank, I really want to repent. How do I know I really mean it? I'm so glad you asked. Go public with it. 
Let me explain. Acts 13, 24, before his coming, John had proclaimed a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. John the Baptist had large crowds gathering around the Jordan River where he would call people to repent from their sins and be baptized right there in the Jordan River. This was not a private, you know, two dudes in a closet um, anonymously confessing random things to each other. This was public. These were people who were dedicated to leaving behind their old selves and moving forward with their God-given destinies. Hundreds would be watching and listening as one by one, people would come forward to John and unload their sins and guilt and then enter the waters of baptism. Now, I am not saying once our church is reopened, it's going to be open mic Sunday for everyone to hang out their dirty laundry. Now, what I am saying Bad things grow in the dark. If you come over to my house right now, we are in the process of finishing our basement. When we bought the house, it had a foundation leak. Because of this, moisture in our basement has made the basement very damp, cold, and really almost like a spider's paradise. We stored a bunch of our random stuff that we felt like we couldn't part with, but everything we moved down there became subject to the damp environment. We even have a large freezer down there, which causes me to have to, you know, trek down there once in a while to get out, you know, frozen meat or frozen pizza or something like that for supper. So as I tip through through the cold, wet basement, I try to avoid, you know, cold, wet puddles of water uh, that, you know, you know, the type that just like seep through your sock, um, you know, water, old, dirty water from the foundation wall, you know, and just constantly ruining socks, it seems like every day. But this basement wasn't only ruining my socks, the water and dampness was affecting and damaging the years of my family memorabilia and the dampness was hurting my electricity bill as well. Something needed to be done. Foundation repairs are expensive. So for years, I did my best to try to control the leaks and control the water. I installed a dehumidifier, hopefully to get the dampness out. And I tried sealing the cracks in the cinder block walls with concrete from the inside, but neither of these attempts, you know, panned out to be adequate enough. We've had enough, we bit the bullet, we forked out the thousands of dollars to have our basement properly repaired and waterproofed. The contractor showed up and first thing he did was he began digging out the dirt around my house to expose the exterior foundation so that the walls can finally be restored and sealed. Like guilt, my basement problem needed to be addressed at the root of the problem at the foundation. And that starts with not only confessing to God, but also confessing to the one you've wronged. I used to think, why do I need to confess to people? I've asked God to forgive me. You know, me and, good are, me and God are good, we're good. And that's all that matters, right? Well, Proverbs 28 verse 13 says, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper. But he who confesses and forsakes and repents of, then they will obtain mercy. And Jesus said himself in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23, So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. What Jesus is saying here, you cannot be right with God until you've made yourself right with each other. I like to explain it this way. 
God desires to have an intimate relationship with us, what I would call a, a vertical relationship, a relationship between God and mankind. But he's also created us to live in relationship with each other, what I would call a horizontal relationship between mankind and mankind. Encouraging, supporting, and allowing ourselves to be used by God to love and bless those around us. To do anything that would hinder the purpose of his intentions for us would be to disrespect God's creation and intentions. James chapter 5, verse 16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another, that you may be healed. Once you openly admit your fault to someone, odds are you're not going to commit that fault again. Healing takes place. We need to make confession to each other a habit. We need to make confession a natural reflex because there is no need to live another day in the bondage of guilt. What if it's impossible to confess to the one you've wronged? Maybe they died or they live far away or you've just lost all contacts with them. I want to encourage you to, to find people in your life that you can be real with open up to, and be ready to receive any truth or discernment that they may have. Be ready to remove your walls and just let them speak life into you and encouragement into you. That's what guilt is. Bondage. It robs us of our freedom. I'm reminded of a person in the Bible who was guilted of many crimes. Not only did the law of Moses and the religious officials of the time find him guilty, but so did the Roman Empire and he was thrown in prison and put on death row to be executed. His name was Barabbas. I'm not sure how familiar you are with the crucifixion story, but Barabbas was a murderer. And the Bible describes him uh, that he was kind of like what would be a modern day terrorist. As Jesus stood before the crowd that, and Pilate, the judge, Pilate gave the crowds the option to either release Jesus or release Barabbas based on a tradition they had at Passover to release a prisoner. If you're like me, you've heard this part of the story and simply thought how awful it was that this crowd could even think about choosing Barabbas over Jesus. But for the longest time, I failed to see what was really happening here. Jesus, at any moment, he could have said with one word, called upon the legions of all the angels in heavens to come down and rescue him and once and for all show the whole world that he truly is the Son of God. But instead, Jesus remained silent. It was his silence that spoke, that spoke the loudest that day. Because as much as I was appalled by the crowd choosing Barabbas, I realized Jesus also chose Barabbas. Despite everything evil he did, despite his flaws, despite his guilt, Jesus was happy to take Barabbas' place on death row. And just like Barabbas, Jesus chooses you. It was God's will for Jesus to take our place. And Jesus took it joyfully. God's not interested in collecting perfect people. God wants to be reconnected with his children so he can show you just exactly how much he loves you. To fix a wrong, you need a right. Jesus said, I am the way, the right way. To fix a lie, you need the truth. 
Jesus said, I am the truth. To repair an absence, you need presence. It was Jesus' presence on the cross that restored our lives. Jesus said, I am the life. When no one else would show up, Jesus showed up. Jesus showed up for you. If you've never given yourself the opportunity for Jesus to go to the cross for you, I'd love to lead you in a prayer where we ask God into our lives so he can begin to reveal more of who he is, how much he loves you, and how we can begin to love others more like him. If that's you this morning, I just want to encourage you to repeat this prayer after me. Dear God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Be my strength and guide me as I repent of the things in my life that hinder me from living in freedom. Thank you for your son Jesus' sacrifice for me. God, be my way. Be my truth. And be my life. Today, I give you my life. Amen. Thank you, everybody, and have a great week.